come with me to Alabama. Let's go see my dear old mammy. She's frying eggs and broiling hammy. That's what I like about the South. Now there you can make no mistakey. Wear those nerves, I'm never shaky. Ought to taste that leg cakey. That's what I like about the South. She's got baked ribs and candied yams. Those sugar-cured Virginia hams. Basement full of those berry jams. And that's what I like about the South. Hot cornbread and black-eyed peas. You can eat as much as you please. Cause it's never out of seats. And that's what I like about the South. Ah, don't take one. Have two. They're dark brown and chocolate too. Suits me. They must suit you. Cause that's what I like about the South. Well, it's the way, way down with the cane grows tall, down where they say you all walk on in with that southern drawl, cause that's what I like about the South. It's down where they have those pretty queens keep dreaming, those dreamy dreams, well, let's sip that absolute New Orleans, that's what I like about the South. Here come old Bob with all the news, got the box back coat and the butt shoes, but he's all caught up with his union dues, and that's what I like about the South. Here come old Roy down the street, oh, can't you hear those couple of feet? He would rather sleep than eat, and that's what I like about the South. Now every time I pass your door, you act like you don't want me no more. Why don't you shake that head and sigh, and I'll go walking right on back. On, on, on and on and on. Honey, when you tell me that you love me, then how come you close your eyes? Did I tell you about the place called Do-Wah Diddy? It ain't no town, it ain't no city, it's awful small, but awful pretty. Well, Do-Wah Diddy. I didn't come here to criticize, I'm not here to sympathize, but don't tell me those no good lies, cause lying gal, I do despise. You love me like I love you, send me 50, PDQ, rose red and violets of pink, I'm gonna get that 50, I don't know. She's got backbones and butter beans, ham hocks and turnip greens, you and me in New Orleans, and that's what I like about the South. Hello again, this is Buck Benning speaking. Welcome to another of our Triple Stack Sundays. Tonight we have two shows from 1948 and one from 1938. We'll start off with the Jack Benning show from 1938. It's one of the train episodes. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. I have another intro that I did five years ago that I'm leaving on here because I talk about um, performing the Jack Benny show, something I did back in 2001, I think. Uh, for a church gathering and it's just kind of a chance some people want to see a little more how I got into Jack Benny and this sh- this shares a little bit of that but I thought I'd come on first and just quickly point out a couple things uh, one that uh, Phil Harris's show which follows Jack's is going to uh, focus on Phil thinking he's getting replaced because last week he had Robert Taylor sub in for him uh whose real name is sparling spar spangler spangler arlington brew anyway um the joke is about uh that robert taylor's name is uh has changed his name and so forth on jack's show they bring it up as well and i love the way jack's show at this point in time 
is tied in with Phil's the most it's ever going to be. And so sometimes they mention Phil's show on Jack's show and do a little joke about it. Uh, the joke that they do on Jack's show is actually kind of a part of it's an ad lib from Jack where he shares his own name. So it's kind of fun to hear Jack share his name. Uh, after that, um, th that joke, uh, you'll get a chance to uh, hear uh, Phil, uh, sorry, Dennis's song. All the songs tonight are some of the best songs I've heard on any of the shows. We just played you, of course, That's What I Like About the South by Phil Harris. And that's actually performed on Phil Harris's show. Uh, that's about the best version I've heard of it as far as sound quality goes. Uh, it's not as bombastic as some of the versions I've heard, but it definitely is a clear version, so I really like it. So I thought we'd bring it to the front tonight. Uh, anyway, then back to Phil's show. Um, it's, it's funny, this whole season we've talked about it being the season of replacements. We, Phil, from the very beginning, got replaced by Bob Crosby in the 1952 uh, season of the, of the show. And Jack's going to be getting replaced here in a few weeks uh, by Orson Welles for about a month on a Jack's show um, from 19. 42-43 season. Uh, Phil is mentioning being replaced here. Jimmy Durante's show. Jimmy Durante got sick in 47 and 48 and had to be replaced by uh, about four different people that took his spot. So it's just really a season where there's lots of replacement things going on. And I don't know why that is, but apparently every five years there was a whole bunch of replacements needed. Uh, and anyway, the last show we have for you tonight... We jump back to uh, 1938, and on that episode, we have some of the best sound quality we've ever presented it in. A real nice upgrade. Still has some issues, of course, but uh, far less than it's ever had before. So a fun episode to listen to. Uh, like I said, the music throughout all three episodes tonight is great. I really like Kenny Baker's song that he sings on that episode. And at the end, they talk about how Kenny Baker is the second most popular tenor in all of radio. It makes me wonder who the most popular tenor was in radio at the time. I'm not sure. Uh, also, I am going to talk in that um, my podcast that I do right before uh, the 1938 show about all the Jack Benny books that are out there, and I suggest what order to get the books in. Uh, now I have to update that because uh, Catherine Fuller Seeley has her uh, wonderful book out, Jack Benny and the Golden Age of radio broadcasting which is a fantastic book about Jack I'd probably put that down as the third if I was gonna buy Jack Benny books the first one I get would of course be Sunday nights at 7 which you can get for about 99 cents over there on Amazon uh, in hardback in good condition um, then it's probably be the next book I would suggest is the Jack Benny show by Milt Josephberg, just a great book on the show itself. And then probably right after that is Kathy Fuller Seeley's book about Jack Benny, just because one, it's a brand new book about Jack, which is wonderful. And two, it's composed of different articles, more or less, about Jack, different chapters that really focus in on uh, Jack and his cast and, and a lot of just interesting reads for you. So I would highly suggest that book. Uh, it's now uh, on Kindle again, and they've dropped the price again, so that on Kindle it's about $20. It's the only Jack Benny book, I think, that's available on Kindle. 
Um, the other book I'd get on Kindle, if I were you, would be Fred Allen's um, Treadmill to Oblivion, because I think it's $1.99 or $2.99. Great price for that. One of the best books on old-time radio ever written. Anyway, without further ado, I'll take you into my old podcast, and then we'll get to the shows. I hope you enjoy them. Uh, Benny Rubin pops up in the 1948 episode as Benny Rubin, which is pretty cool. Uh, great actor, very fun actor. Anyway, enjoy the shows. We'll see you next time. Kook. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1947-1948 season. Amonga. And yes, this is the very first episode that has Kook and Amonga as very separate entities with a lot of space in between them. And Jack will have a lot of fun with this. Well, Mel Blanc specifically will have a lot of fun with this over the years. And uh, I, I would think, I would have thought that this would have happened a lot sooner. But then I started thinking about it some more and I was like, well, it makes sense. I mean, last season was really where they started to play around with um, Mel Blanc and all the things he could do from the shopping episodes to the train station and so forth. And so uh, this is, of course, the second year of, of, of Mel really taking on that role of the train station announcer, I believe. And so this is where they discovered, well, stretching out the kook and the amonga can kind of be kind of fun. Now, one thing specific to me with Kukamonga is that, uh, some of you know I've shared before, I haven't shared it too many times, I've shared a few, a few times that um, when I first started getting into Jack Benny again, within the first year, back in like 2001, 2000, sometime around then, uh, I was, uh, a, a woman I know was in charge of putting on... Uh, this entertainment program for seniors uh, at our church and uh, she didn't know exactly what she wanted to do with it but she had to fill a bunch of time and just in getting to know me she knew that I was into old-time radio shows and things and she was thinking maybe I could put together some clips or something for a half-hour show that they would listen to and I just told her, I thought with modern audiences and things, uh, that really wasn't going to work to keep their interest for that long. I think they'd all start talking to each other, and it j- they just wouldn't hear what was going on. But I did tell her that maybe we could do something live, and that would help them to pay attention better. And then it, w- it was a small piece, and then it became this larger and larger piece, and pretty soon... Uh, I created a, we, we, I needed to create a 40, 40, 45 minute piece. And so I just took the best of all the episodes of Jack Benny and kind of combined them to create this 45 minute script. And in this script, it was basically that uh, it started off at Jack's house with him having a violin lesson. And then they get in the car, he and Rochester, and they, well, I don't, I, I don't think I use Rochester because at that point, um, I thought it was kind of disrespectful to use a white person to play Rochester, and I didn't uh, know that many um, African Americans at the time, so I I just didn't have anybody that I felt comfortable using with that. So I, I used Dennis instead, and so Dennis and Jack 
you know, driving the Maxwell to go to the train station. At the train station, they meet up with Mary and everybody, uh, or they pick him up along the way, I believe, and then they get up to the train station, and then they have the whole train station bit. And at the train station, he, he realizes he need, he wants to do some uh, shopping, and it's a big train station, so they have some he can do some Christmas shopping, and so that takes up all of that put together, kind of takes up the forty five minutes. Anyway, as we're doing this, I'm going, okay, I think the audience is kind of with me, but I'm still, you know, not sure. It's like, okay, is this too old for them? Do they remember this? Is this half a century ago? That sort of thing. Uh, But then we get to the train station, and as soon as we get to the train station, uh, we hear the the voice. Um, My brother-in-law, Matt, does the voice of of Mel at the train station and doing the kook and then he pauses and a huge amount of the audience goes amonga and it was just awesome because I, I knew right then we had him we had him they remembered and it, that was the best feeling in the world was knowing that this bit that we'd put together of, of clips of Jack Benny shows basically and us doing them was resonating and they were getting it and from then on it was just wonderful uh, with the whole shopping uh, sequences they, the audience just loved it and it was it was very very entertaining a fun fun thing to do if you ever get a chance to do something like that you really should do it um Still one of my best experiences ever with the Jack Benny show, or even with entertaining people. It was just wonderful. But uh, anyway, having said that, here's your chance to enjoy Kook and the manga <laughs> together. Uh, well, apart, I guess, for the first time. And uh, we'll see you next time. The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. Quality of product is essential to continuing success. Front page news. The Crossley Poll, famous impartial research group, has just finished asking independent tobacco experts, what cigarette do you smoke? More named Lucky Strike than any other brand. Yes, for their own personal smoking enjoyment. Independent tobacco experts named Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike, first choice. This impartial Crossley poll shows Lucky's first choice with independent tobacco buyers, auctioneers, and warehousemen. These leaf experts really know tobacco, so you know. L-S-M-F-T, L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And in a cigarette, it's the tobacco that counts. So smoke the smoke tobacco experts smoke Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. Remember... For their own personal smoking enjoyment. Independent tobacco experts name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike first choice. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, Jack Benny and his troupe have been on tour, campaigning for the March of Dimes in Denver and Pueblo, Colorado. So now let's pick them up on the California Limited en route to Los Angeles. Mary and Jack are playing a game of gin rummy. 
you, you sure are lucky, Mary. I play better gin rummy than you do, and yet you always win. Well, it's your own fault, Jack. You don't concentrate on the cards. I do, too. Now, let's see. I know you have three nines, three queens, and the six, seven, and eight of hearts. So I know you can't use this card. Here. Here's the deuce of spades. Gin. <laughs> Gin, let me see your hand. There you are, three eights, four kings, and three deuces. Wait a minute. Where are those two nines you picked up? That was yesterday. <laughs> oh. Well, go ahead and deal the cards again. Yeah, I never played in such bad luck in all of my life. Hey, Jackson, you got a corkscrew? Here you are, Phil. <laughs> Thanks. Gee, I hope I have better luck with this hand than... Pick my... up your cards. Okay. Hmm. 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 <laughs> Jack, pick up your last card. Whoops. <laughs> oh, boy, what a hand this is. Mary, I'm warning you, any card you throw, I can use. Go ahead, throw one. It's your turn first. Oh, yes. Here. Gin. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mary. Well, that's enough gin rummy for me. What do I owe you? Five dollars and twenty cents. All right, I'll pay you tomorrow. Oh, Jack, you always say that. Why don't you pay up as soon as you lose? But, Mary, it's so inconvenient. I don't care. Take off your shoe and pay me now. <laughs> All right, I'll pay you. I'll pay you. Turn around. Turn around? Just because you're going to take your shoe off? The fives are pinned to my underwear. <laughs> Here. Here's your money. Thanks. You're welcome. You know, Mary, you're the luckiest person. Hey, Jackson, you got a bottle opener? Here you are, Phil. Thanks. <laughs> you know, Mary, you're the luckiest person I've ever seen. Oh, what's the difference? You win once in a while, too. Yeah, I guess so. But you know, we certainly did have a wonderful time in Denver. And gee, wasn't it exciting when we arrived in Pueblo? They picked us up in those police cars and drove us to the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you laughing at? When the police were helping Phil in the car, he started yelling, You ain't got nothing on me. <laughs> yeah. You know, Mary, it was too bad that Dennis couldn't have made this trip with us. He'd have gotten a kick out of all that snow. Uh-huh. But I don't think he could have stood the train trip. It's awful cold in here. Yeah, but you can't blame the train. I mean, the weather outside is freezing here. Oh, hello, Don. Hello. Oh, say, kids, the conductor just told me we're crossing the border into California. Right now? Yes. Gee, Gee it's warm. warm. <laughs> <laughs> Will we be home soon, Don? No, California's such a big state, we don't get in until tomorrow morning. Gosh, another night on the train. Huh? Hey, Jackson, you got any extra glasses in here? Yeah, Phil. Uh, there are three of them over there. Thanks. Say, Don, Don, I haven't seen you since we left Denver. Are you on, are you on this car? No, no, I'm two cars back. Two cars back? Wait a minute, Don, that's the diner. I know. Oh. <laughs> Say, Jack, uh, I'm a little hungry. How about sandwiches? All right, Mary, I'll go and get some. 
I'll be back in a few minutes. Okay. Now, let's see. The diner's down this way. Who knows how much I love you? You do. Who has the charms that very few do? I do. Pardon, mister. Yes? Could you tell me which way the engine is? The engine? Oh, yes. You're going in the wrong direction. It's the other way. Now, why do you want to know? I'm the engineer. <laughs> I don't know why you... The engineer? Hey! Gee, I hope he finds it before we reach Los Angeles. It'll be the first time I ever went to Catalina by rail. <laughs> and with this fog, you know, it could happen. Oh, well, the diner should be in the next... Uh, from what you tell me, Rochester, I can't understand how many ever got along without you. Me neither. Uh-oh. There's Rochester in the washroom talking to one of the porters. I gotta listen to this. Uh, say, Rochester, besides writing his radio show, what else you do for Mr. Benny? <laughs> well, I'm his publicity agent, manager, and last but not least, I'm his personal advisor. He won't even make a picture unless I okay the script. Well, what about the horn blows at midnight? I was out of town when that thing came in. <laughs> uh, too bad Mr. Benny wasn't. No, fine. Yeah, Mr. Benny won't do a thing without my approval. Well, uh, tell me, Rochester, do you help him handle his money? My friend, when, Mr. Be when you discuss Mr. Benny's money, remove your hat and bow towards the Bank of America. <laughs> Well, I can't understand why Mr. Benny saves his money like that. Don't he know he can't take it with him? Well, several people have told him, but he's never heard it direct from headquarters. <laughs> uh, say, Rochester, another thing I've been wanting to ask you. How old is Mr. Benny? Thirty-eight. Thirty-eight. Well, Rochester, I thought about that joke on the radio. Well, in the vernacular, we show people... Uh, that is known as a running gag. Well, how long has it been running? <laughs> Two years longer than the Mississippi. <laughs> how do you like that? Now, come on, Rochester. We're old friends and we're all alone. You can tell me his right age. Well, all right. Lean over here and I'll whisper it. Mr. Benny's real age. Rochester! You knows how much I love you. <laughs> Never mind that. Now, Rochester, I don't like you discussing my private affairs. Yes, sir. And will you please go to the diner and get some sandwiches for me and Miss Livingston? Bring them back to my car. Yes. Hmm. I think he'd know better than to talk about me in front of strangers like that. Now, let's see. Oh, here's Mary's compartment. Gee, Jack, it took you a long time. Where are the sandwiches? Rochester will bring them in a minute. Want to play some more cards, Mary? No, I'd rather listen to the radio. Say, this is Wednesday night, and Dennis' show is on right now. Uh, tune them in, Mary. Okay. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for his final vocal selection tonight, Dennis Day will sing his latest victory recording, A Few More Kisses. Oh, gee, we just caught the end of his program. A few more kisses 
things happen Oh, I may be to blame I love you more than ever And hope you feel the same A few more sweet words And a few less teardrops I'm sure they never would stop If you just give me a few more kisses And a few less heartaches, Kid has a great voice. You know, it'll be good to see him again, won't it, Mary? Hey, Jack, I wonder if we'll have time. Hey, Jackson. <laughs> what? You got a couple of aspirins? <laughs> oh. So you finally. <laughs> So you finally got yourself a little hangover. Well, don't expect any sympathy from me, Phil. Jackson, gee, you know how it is. Train trips are dull, all cramped up in a tiny compartment all by myself and away from home, and, well, I got kind of moody, so... I don't know. I, I just sat down and started thinking. Oh, well, well, I can understand that, Phil. What were you thinking about? Bourbon. <laughs> Oh, for heaven's sake. By the way, Phil, I heard your program last Sunday. It was a wonderful show. Robert Taylor did a great job filling in for you. Robert Taylor, Robert Taylor. Some guy to pick out as my replacement. Why, what's wrong with Taylor? What's wrong with him? His real name is Spangler Arlington Brew. <laughs> Spangler Arlington Brew. Well, that sounds like the last names of Manny, Moe, and Jack. <laughs> My right name is Benny Kabelski. What are you mad about? <laughs> Why don't you and him move in together? <laughs> oh, Phil! Phil, stop 
Babe, take him. I don't want him. Oh, Phil, stop being jealous. Bob was wonderful on your show. And the audience gave him a terrific hand when he sang. That's what I like about the South. I'll never see what people understand about that lousy song. <laughs> oh, fine. Look who's talking. Hey, Jack. Wow. I'm starved. Where's Rochester with those sandwiches? I don't know. I'll go out and look for them. Well, oh, what a cute little baby. Uh, do you do you mind if I play with them for a second, madam? Why, no, not at all. Hello, baby. <laughs> Come up here in my arms. Come on. Daisy. Oh, look at him. He's so cute. And his eyes are the same color as mine. Lake Louise Blue. Uh, how old is he, lady? 38. What? Weeks. Oh, oh, weeks. I'll catch you, catch you, catch you. Such a cute little thing. Here, take him back, lady. You have a lovely child. Thank you. A little doll that... Hmm, that baby is. Just think, someday he may run for president. The Republicans will make up their minds pretty soon, or maybe this year. <laughs> Where can Rochester be with those sandwiches, I wonder? Dum, bum, 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 bum. The best things in life are free. What a song. <laughs> I'm sure this is the car with Well, Rochester, what else do you do for Mr. Benny? Everything. There ain't nobody works harder than I do. Hmm, instead of getting the sandwich, he's still talking to the porter there. Well, if he works you so hard, why don't you leave? Oh, I couldn't quit Mr. Benny. That would be cruel. What do you mean, cruel? I'm the only man alive who knows how to put him together in the morning. <laughs> put him together? Yeah, first I get his hair and all the other accessories. Rochester! Are... Coming, mother! <laughs> Rochester, why don't you get those sandwiches? I ordered them, boss. They're sending them down with the waiter. Oh, well, then, then Miss Livingston must have them by this time. I'll go back to my compartment and go to bed. See you in the morning. Pardon me, madam. Pardon me, sir. Pardon me, please. Just a minute, you! <laughs> huh? Say, aren't you Jack Benny? Yes, yes. Well, I I'm a fan of yours. I listen to you all the time on the radio. Oh, really? What's your name? Joe Besser. Messer? No, Bester! <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Are you on your way to Los Angeles? Yes, I'm going to be there for two weeks. And I, I sure would like to get tickets for your program. Say, how do I go about it? Well, I don't handle the tickets myself, but if you call my business manager, Mert Blum, at Hollywood 6265, he'll put you in touch with my secretary, Bert Scott, at Hollywood 6234, you see? And if Mr. Scott hasn't any tickets, he'll have you call the advertising agency. Not so fast! <laughs> Ooh! Well, look. Look, I'll write it down and give it to you before we get off the train. Well, well, do. Do do that. I will. I will. What a character that guy, isn't it? 
Well, we get in early in the morning. I better get some sleep. Last call for breakfast. Last call for breakfast. Oh, Jack, Jack. Hey, Jackson. Oh, good morning, Mary. Hello, Phil. Hey, kids, according to the timetable, it won't be long now. We've already gone through San Bernardino, Fontana, Anaheim, and we've... There goes Azusa. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, Mary, that's where they had to put off that taxi driver. Remember the one that was so sentimental he couldn't say goodbye to us when he left? You yeah. Remember? Wasn't he a strange character? Yeah. What a silly guy. Hey, look. Look, the train is slowing down. That's right, Jackson. We're coming into Cucamonga. Oh, Jack, Jack. What is it, Don? Your quartet wants to say goodbye to you. The sportsmen? Yes, they're getting off here. In Cucamonga? That's where they live. No kidding, fellas. Do you live here in Cucamonga? <laughs> well, what do you know about that? <laughs> Brush you off, Miss Livingston? Yes, please. Thank you. Uh, brush you off, Mr. Benny? Yes, please. Thank you. Uh, brush you off, Mr. Wilson? Please.
Now, Don, if you'll turn around, he can brush your back. <laughs> Say, Jack. What? The people seem to be getting off the other end. Well, let's go. Now, watch your step, please. Everybody off. Jack, what's holding up the line? I don't know. There's somebody up in front with a lot of bags. Hey, you, get moving. Well, give me time to get my luggage. (laughs) Pick it up and get going. Come on, come on. Oh, not so fast. Well, we want to get off here. Come on, move, will you? Oh, stop pushing. Oh, you crazy, you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. Come on, kids. Come on. Mary, Phil, we can get off right here. On track five, train just arrived from Anaheim, Azusa, and Cucamonga. Come on, kids, we better get out of the cab stand. I hope we won't, we won't have to wait too long for our luggage there. Train just arrived on track five from Anaheim, Azusa, and Cucamonga. There goes the red cap with our baggage, Mary. Well, let's follow him, huh? Good, he'll take him to the cab stand, then we go right home. Amanga. <laughs> have gone to Anaheim between Cook and Amanda. Oh, Jack, look, there's Dennis. Well, what do you know? Hey, Dennis, Dennis, here we are. Hello, Mr. Benny. Hello, Mary. Boy, am I excited. We better hurry or we'll miss the train. <laughs> miss the train? Yeah, aren't we going to Denver? <laughs> going to Denver, Dennis, we just came back. We did last Sunday's show there. That's right, Dennis. We talked to your doctor and he wouldn't let us take you out of town. Yeah. How, uh, how you been feeling, kid? Gee, last week I had to visit my doctor five times. You visit your doctor five times for a cold? Cold? He's got pneumonia. (laughs) Oh, well, Dennis, if your doctor's sick, why did he want you to visit him? He's delirious. He thinks I'm a basket of fruit. (laughs) Oh. You should have seen the trouble I had last Sunday. And I wanted to get away from him so I could go to the studio and sing on your program. On my program? Dennis, you couldn't have. I wasn't even in town. Yeah, we should have told me. (laughs) Dennis, when you got to the studio and you didn't see Don nor Phil nor Mary, no musician, what did you think? I thought you were cutting down expenses. Come on, Dennis, let's go home. I see you still have your luggage. All except my coat. Oh, is your coat checked? No, it's my doctor's. (laughs) Cut that out! Jack, it's been a long train ride. I want to get home. Okay, Mary, here comes the taxi. Dennis, we'll see you later, huh? Oh, taxi! Taxi! Driver, would you take us out? Oh, it's you, mister. You're back. You're back. This is the taxi driver that brought us to the station. I didn't want to come to the station, but you made me. You made me. And I couldn't say goodbye. Look, fella, but look. you're back now. You're back. That's all that matters. Oh, for heaven's sake. Look, fella. I oh. hope you had a nice trip. But don't ever go away again. <laughs> I was lost without you. And you too, lady. It's so good to Stop see you. Stop kissing her hand. Look, driver. Come on. Put your bags in the car. Put your bags in the car. We're going home. We're going home. Driver, you're creating a scene here. I don't care. I'm so glad you're Happy back. Happy days are here again. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure you agree there's nothing more pathetic than a helpless child suffering from starvation, exposure, and sickness. Thousands of kids in the devastated countries are exactly in this predicament and can't do a thing to help themselves any more than yours or mine could. So it's up to us to give them a chance to survive. We must help them grow up to be healthy, clear-thinking citizens, or our own children will have to face more serious problems than even we do now. So let's help those unfortunate children by sending our contributions to Crusade for Children, New York City. Incidentally, they have a great slogan, Save a Child, Save the Future. Thank you. Jack will be back in just a minute, but first, here's Basil Rysdale. For their own personal smoking enjoyment, independent tobacco experts name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike, first choice. Front page news. In the nation's great tobacco markets, the impartial Crossley poll asked independent tobacco experts, What cigarette do you smoke? More said Lucky Strike than any other brand. Yes, for their own personal smoking enjoyment, independent tobacco experts name Lucky Strike, first choice. These experts are independent tobacco buyers, auctioneers, and warehousemen. The men who see who buys what tobacco. Friends, when independent tobacco experts name Lucky Strike first choice in an impartial Crosley poll, then you know. L-S-M-F-T. L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So smoke the smoke tobacco experts smoke Lucky Strike. Remember, for their own personal smoking enjoyment, independent tobacco experts name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike first choice. Ladies and gentlemen, be sure to listen in next Sunday night when our guests will be my next-door neighbors and very good friends, Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Yes, a pretty girl is like a melody, especially when her hair is soft and shining, like that of Miss Beverly Ayler of Moline, Illinois. In a letter, Miss Ayler says, My hair was harsh-feeling, drab, difficult to manage. Then I tried Fitch Cream Shampoo. Talk about results. My hair has never been so soft, so sparkling and lustrous. Of all the cream shampoos I've tried, I like Fitch best. From now on, it's Fitch for me. Yes, Beverly, it's Fitch for you and for thousands of other girls. 
they have discovered how this shampoo leaves your hair caressably soft, shining as though it had been brushed and brushed and brushed. So try Fitch Cream Shampoo. You too will discover that glamorous new look of softer, shinier hair. That's because Fitch Cream Shampoo is made with two special beauty aids, lanolin and olive oil. Lanolin is used to soften the hair. Olive oil is used to bring out sparkling highlights. Fitch is economical, too. Compare the size of the jar. Compare its low cost. At drug or toilet goods counters, buy Fitch Cream Shampoo for softer, shinier hair. The F.W. Fitch Company, makers of Fitch Shampoo, presents the Fitch Bandwagon with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Robert North, Walter Scharf and his music, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. <laughs> Yesterday, Phil returned from his trip to Denver with a Jack Benny troupe. He's still angry with Alice for having hired Robert Taylor to take his place on last week's program. And now, as we look in on the Harris home, we find Alice talking to her brother, William. Is Philip still pouting about Robert Taylor, Alice? <laughs> you should see him. His lower lip is hanging down to here. Last night at the dinner table, he looked like he was wearing a red bib. <laughs> now, whatever you do, William, don't mention Bob Taylor in front of Phil because he gets... Uh-oh, oh, no. uh-oh. I think I hear Phil coming down now. Hello, Phil. Did you have a good night's sleep, darling? Humph. <laughs> now, Phil, stop being foolish. Come over here, honey, and I'll put my arms around you and give you a great big kiss. Don't touch me. Don't come near me, you, you, you Spangler Arlington Brew fan, you... <laughs> haven't even told me you're sorry for what you did. You didn't apologize. The least you can say Good is... Good morning, Philip. <laughs> there must be an antidote for this. What are you doing here, Willie? Now, Phil, that's no way to talk to William. You're just being rude. He certainly is. How gauche. <laughs> what was that last crack? I said, how gauche. Lousy, thanks. How gauche with you. It was a pleasure last week to have an intelligent person like Robert Taylor around Don't mention that name That's all I've been hearing since I come back Robert Taylor, Robert Taylor, Robert Taylor Well, no wonder, Phil Bob did a swell job on the show and people are talking about it Oh, he did, huh? I suppose you think Taylor would be better on the show than me Oh, don't be silly, Phil I didn't say that No, but you're thinking it You might as well say but it But, Phil, I know Go on, say it, say it all right, I think Taylor would be better on the show than you That's better <laughs> I guess I told her I'll bet my two little kids, Phyllis and Alice, missed me on the program last week I'll bet you that Hey, children, come on in here a minute I'll bet they thought it was a pretty dull affair without me Did you call us, Daddy? Oh, yeah, look, I want to ask you something Did, uh... Did you kids miss your daddy on the program last Sunday? We certainly did, Daddy See there, I knew it I knew it That Taylor guy wasn't like your daddy, was he? No, he was very funny <laughs> Yes, he tells jokes better than anybody we ever heard and he... All right, all right <coughs> And my own flesh and blood Everybody liked the program last week, Daddy My teacher thought it was wonderful 
She did? Yes. She liked Robert Taylor because he's so dignified and charming. She said he had a safe affair. Oh, that's wrong, honey. The word is pronounced savoir-faire. Is that the right way to say it, Daddy? Don't ask me. I wouldn't touch it with a fork. <laughs> well, you, see, you see, it's a French word, dear, which means knowing how to do the right thing. Is that correct, William? Uh, in essence, yes. Uh-huh. The, um... <laughs> The literal translation is savoir to know and fair to do, which combined gives the idiomatic expression knowing how to do. Thank you, Funk and Wagnall. <laughs> you know, Philip, it wouldn't hurt you to have some of Mr. Taylor's savoir fair. I got plenty of that stuff. My savoir's just as fair as his, even fairer at times. <laughs> Philip, you're absolutely hopeless. You don't know anything. You have no desire to better yourself. No wonder people enjoy the show better. Get lost, carbon copy. <laughs> Go roll yourself up in a typewriter and play with a bell. Run now. <laughs> None of you guys may have missed me, but I'm sure the sponsors did. I'll bet they didn't enjoy the show without me. Mr. F.W. Fitch and his board of directors in Des Moines are probably a very unhappy group of men right now. <laughs> Gentlemen, you all heard our Fitch bandwagon program last Sunday. What did you think of it, J.R.? Huh? What's that? Did you say something, Mr. Fitch? J.R., I ask you what you thought of last Sunday's program. Well, I thought the show sounded different. Yes, I didn't... Well, it didn't seem like our usual Fitch show. No, the program didn't sound the same without Phil Harris. Now our problem is... How can we keep it that way? <laughs> if we could only keep Robert Taylor on and get rid of Harris, maybe we could break his contract. J.R., I'm surprised at you thinking a thing like that. Get rid of Mr. Harris. Well, that's an ignoble thought, a conniving gesture. Besides, I was up all night and couldn't find a single loophole in his contract. <laughs> must be some way we can slough him off. No, frankly, J.R., I don't want to slough him off. I sort of like Curly. He's a down-to-earth person. <laughs> I think he's very crude, and he has a vulgar way of expressing himself. <laughs> oh, I find his language very picturesque. Well, I do not, and I do not think he's a, the proper person to represent the Fitch Company. And furthermore, I think we ought to have someone who has much more dignity. Get lost, Latherhead. <laughs> Tops on our cream shampoo. <laughs> Go play with the lanolin. <laughs> Gentlemen, I thought perhaps we could have both Mr. Harris and Mr. Taylor. We could use two radio programs, you know. You mean we should start a second show starring Robert Taylor? Yes, and let's get started at once. I'll contact Miss Faye and have her ask Mr. Taylor. She worked with him on the show last week, and as a friend, <laughs> she might get him cheaper. I'll, I'll phone her later and explain the details. In the meantime, Miss Purcell, take a telegram. It goes to Mrs. Phil Harris, Encino, California. 
Yes, sir. I'll bet the sponsor felt bad about my not being on the show last week. Oh, I'm sure the sponsor missed you, Phil. And, honey, I missed you, too. Believe me. All I said was that Bob Taylor did a good job on the show. You know, he's a wonderful actor. Fine actor. He couldn't even sing That's What I Like About the South. <laughs> but, honey, he doesn't happen to be a singer. Well, you didn't sing it right, either. Well, I don't happen to be a si Hmm? <laughs> Look, let me tell you something. You can't toy around with that number, honey. Anytime you kick that off, sister, it's got the roll. Won't you come with me to Alabama? Let's go see my dear old mammy. She's frying eggs and broiling hammy. That's what I like about the South. Now there you can make no mistakey. Wear those nerves, I'm never shaky. Ought to taste that leg cakey. That's what I like about the South. She's got baked ribs and candied yams. Those sugar-cured Virginia hams. Basement full of those berry jams. And that's what I like about the South. Hot cornbread and black-eyed peas. You can eat as much as you please. Cause it's never out of seats. And that's what I like about the South. Ah, don't take one. Have two. They're dark brown and chocolate too. Suits me, they must suit you. Cause that's what I like about the South. Well, it's the way, way down where the cane grows tall, down where they say you all walk on in with that southern drawl, cause that's what I like about the South. It's down where they have those pretty queens keep dreaming, those dreamy dreams, well, let's sip that absolute New Orleans, that's what I like about the South. Come old Bob with all the news Got the box back coat and the button shoes But he's all caught up with his union dues And that's what I like about the South Here come old Roy down the street Oh, can't you hear those couple of feet? He would rather sleep than eat And that's what I like about the South Now every time I pass your door You act like you don't want me no more Why don't you shake that head and sigh And I'll go walking right on back On, on, on and on and on Honey, when you tell me that you love me Then how come you close your eyes? Did I tell you about the place called Do-Wah Diddy? It ain't no town, it ain't no city It's awful small, but awful pretty Well, Do-Wah Diddy I didn't come here to criticize I'm not here to sympathize But don't tell me those no good lies Cause lying gal I do despise You love me like I love you Send me 50 PDQ, rose of red and violets of pink I'm gonna get that 50 I don't She's got backbones and butter beans Ham hocks and turnip greens You and me in New Orleans And that's what I like about the South <laughs> How is that, Alice? Thank you, Carmen Lombardo <laughs> Okay, go ahead, go ahead, make fun of me Nobody around here miss me I bring you groceries, Miss Faye Oh, we're in here, Julius Hello, soulmate, and how are you, Mr... Hey, what happened to you, Mr. Taylor? You don't look as yeah. good as you did last time <laughs> I'm not Taylor Back. <laughs> you know something? I missed you on the program last night. I don't care if you... You did? <laughs> yeah. I didn't think the show was half as good with Taylor on it. Uh-huh. You see, Alice, that kid appreciates me. 
Gee whiz, Julius, I could kiss you for that. You so much as pucker one with a lip and I'll slug you. <laughs> you can slug me later. Now, first tell me why you think I'm better than Taylor. Well, Taylor was too dignified. I don't like that stuff. You don't, huh? Nah, I like a low-down character like you. <laughs> What do you mean, low down? Well, you're different. You're unusual. There ain't nobody on radio like you. Well, gee whiz. <laughs> hey, tell me more, son. Tell me more. Oh, brother, he's soaking up this oil like a dry crankcase. <laughs> How are you? I gotta go now. I'm his face. The next time Mr. Harris is off the show, don't waste your time trying to replace him. You couldn't find another patient like Phil Harris in this whole world. She couldn't? No, and I doubt if she could find one on Mars, either. <laughs> there goes a cute kid. If he's lucky, he might grow up to be a human being. <laughs> Nobody seems to give a darn whether I was on the program last Sunday or not. Now, look, Phil, if you're going to keep pouting like that, I'm not going to stand here and listen to you. I'm going upstairs till you get over All it. All right, go ahead, go ahead. Now, she can't even stand to be around me. Oh, there's somebody at the door. I wonder who that is who didn't miss me last week. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Hey, that must be Frankie. Sure it is. I see his car outside. My pal Frankie. At last, there's somebody who'll be glad to see me back. Hiya, Curly. Hello, Frankie. Hey, come on in, pal. Gee, I bet you're tickled to see me back. Hey, you been someplace? <laughs> Of course, you Gee, know Curly, I... that was a great show we had last week, wasn't it? At two, Brutus. <laughs> huh? Gee whiz. I suppose you like Taylor better than me, too. <laughs> oh, I didn't, but I think Alice did. She and Bob got along awful well together. Made a nice-looking couple. I think you were smart coming home so fast. You know, you never can tell about these All things. right, Mrs. Ramley. <laughs> What's that you got in your hand? Oh, this is a telegram for Alice. Messenger boy gave it to me on my way in. Telegram for Alice? Wonder who it's from. No, well, it's probably just a personal message from Bob Taylor. <laughs> Why don't you open it? I will not. If it's for Alice, I'm not prying into my wife's affairs. Besides, it's not from Bob Taylor. And to prove it, I'll open it and read it. <laughs> hey, Frankie, excuse me a minute while I see what this says. Will Delighted. You? Anxious to get Robert Taylor as star of Fitch Program. Please inquire as to his availability and price, signed F.W. Fitch. They want Taylor instead of me? But why? I've been so cute on the show. <laughs> Everybody says I'm a ball of fire. Gee, this is the worst thing that has ever happened to me. What's the matter, Curly? Did Alice lose all her money? <laughs> no. It's not that bad. <laughs> hey, Frankie. Huh? This telegram here happens to be from the Fitch Company. And I guess after hearing the program last week, they don't want me. They're replacing me. Gee, Curly, they're replacing you? 
That's tough. I didn't mean to be that good on the show. <laughs> I tried to be bad, but it's tough to louse up your lines when you're a great performer like me. I knew they'd recognize oh, my... Oh, shut up, will you? Gee whiz, I can't understand why the sponsor wants to get rid of me. Ah, oh, don't let it get you down, Curly. You know how sponsors are. They're very peculiar people. Just because they're paying a guy, they expect them to have talent. <laughs> When do they want me to take over? <laughs> they don't want you to take over. They happen to want a guy by the name of Robert Taylor. Brew? <laughs> Spang. <laughs> this is a fine way for the Fitch Company to treat me. A fine way, after I've given them the best options of my life. <laughs> I'll fix those ingrates. I'll never shampoo my hair again as long as I live. <laughs> Pull it all out. <laughs> well, they got a lot of nerve firing you. Hey, wait a minute, Curly. You got a contract with them, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Of course I got a contract. They can't fire me. Look, Curly, play it smart. Let them fire you. Then you can sue them. Oh, wait a minute now, Frankie. I don't want to <laughs> sue them. But I do want to let them know I know my legal rights. Well, the best way to do that is to get a lawyer to write a threatening letter for you. I got just a guy for you. He's a good, reputable attorney named Loophole Grogan. <laughs> Loophole Grogan? Yeah. He's an ex-classmate of mine from Harvard. <laughs> now get your hat. I'll take you down to his office. All right. And when I get down there, I well, promise Bill, you... are you over your padding yet? Hello, Frankie. Hi, Alice. Hey, do you know the Fitch Company just fired your husband and they're going to hire Robert Taylor in his place? Oh, Frankie, stop joking. No, no, he's not joking. That's on the square. Yeah. Here's the telegram. Look for yourself. But don't forget, I'm getting a lawyer and I'm going to threaten to sue him. Phil, you're right. They are firing you. Well, I won't stand for it. If they don't want you on the show, they don't want me either, and I'm going to quit. Now, don't be too hasty, Alice. One of us has got to make a living. <laughs> hey, come on, Curly. We're wasting time. Let's go over to the Taft building and see Loophole Grogan. Okay, so long, honey. I'll see you later. All right, Phil. I don't blame Phil for being mad. If they don't want him, he ought to quit. The trouble with Mr. Fitch is he doesn't appreciate Phil. I had a boss like that once. I worked hard, and he didn't even know I was alive. I remember what I used to say to myself. The boss gets on my nerves. I've got a good mind to quit. I've taken all I can. It's time to get up and get and move to another job. Or maybe another town The gentleman burns me up The gentleman gets me down The gentleman is a dope A man of many faults A clumsy Joe who wouldn't know A rumba from a waltz The gentleman is a dope And not my cup of tea Why do I get him a dither? doesn't belong to me The gentleman isn't bright He doesn't know the score A cake will come He'll take a crumb And never ask for more The gentleman's eyes are blue But little do they see Why am I beating my brains out He doesn't belong to me He's somebody else's problem She 
these wells Welcome to the guy She'll never, never understand him Half as well Half as well as I The gentleman is a dope He isn't very smart He's just a lug you'd like to hug and hold against your heart The gentleman doesn't know how happy he could be Look at me crying my eyes out as if he belonged to me He'll never belong Curly, loophole's office on this floor something. Now, wait a minute, Frank. Are you sure this guy's a good lawyer? He's terrific. Ah, here's his office. Look at that sign on the door. Yeah. John L. Grogan, attorney at law, question mark. <laughs> hey, Frank, are you sure this guy's a lawyer? One of the best. Now, if you want him to handle your case, we better hurry in. He expects to be disbarred tomorrow. <laughs> Now, wait a minute, Frankie. Maybe we're being too hasty. Oh, flat, Curly. Here's Grogan now. Hiya, loophole. Well, good morning, Mr. Remley. And what can I do for you? This is my friend Phil Harris, loophole. He's in trouble. He wants you to help him. Good, good. I have a hideout upstate he can have for $100 a week. <laughs> a hideout? Yes, it comes fully equipped with two friendly witnesses who swear you never left the place. <laughs> Thorough, ain't he? He thinks of everything. Shall we get started? Hold it, Ramley. I'm not gonna let this shyster handle anything for me. Shyster? That, sir, is a libelous and slanderous statement. I shall sue you for defamation of character and take every... Beat it, will you? Go chase an ambulance. <laughs> Go someplace and draw up your briefs. Get lost. Will you? Come on, Ramley. I'm gonna not gonna hire this no, guy. No, wait a minute, Curly. Wait a minute. We don't need him. I'll cop a piece of his stationery. You tell me what you want to say, and I'll write the letter to Fitch. <laughs> Oh, what a letter I wrote to that Fitch. This will really scare him. Yeah, you told him good. But Frankie, do you, do you think you made it a little too strong? No, you gotta tell those guys off with good, strong language. Let's see now, I got the envelope all addressed. I'll just put this airmail stamp on it. Yeah. Now I'll drop it down this mail chute. Bye-bye. There it goes. Hey, Frankie. I have a feeling I shouldn't have done this, but, but if you think Phil, that it's... Oh, Phil. hey, wait a minute. There's Alice. I wonder what she's doing here. Oh, Phil, I have wonderful news. Mr. Fitz called just after you left. You misunderstood his telegram. He's not firing you. He wants Bob Taylor to start a second Fitz program. A sec... Then I'm not fired? Right. Oh, Harris, I might have known they wouldn't fire you, you curly-topped nightingale, you. <laughs> oh, gee whiz. Gee Hey, boy, I'm glad all I did was send Mr. Fitch a nasty letter. Frankie, that letter. Curly, stop trying to climb in the mail chute. <laughs> Can't get in there. Oh. oh, Phil, why did you have to write a nasty letter? Oh, why did I have to do it? It's all your fault, Remley. You talked me into it. Now when Fitch gets that letter, I'm a dead duck. Hey, listen, maybe he won't get it. Maybe he forgot to put a stamp on it. Maybe he forgot to address it, huh? No, I, I put a stamp on it, Alice. And I addressed it to F.W. Fitch, Des Moines, Ohio. Yes, you did it again, Remley, and I ought to... 
Ohio. O H I O. Hey, Des Moines ain't in Ohio, it's in Iowa. When'd they move it? <laughs> oh, this is wonderful, Frankie. Now Mr. Fitz won't get the letter. It'll be returned. Sure, and I won't get fired. Oh, oh Frankie, you adorable dove, you. <laughs> Gee whiz, I love every hair on your stupid little head. Ah, that's all right, Curly. I know what I'm doing every minute. <laughs> Best thing you've ever done. I could kiss you for this. Well, gee, Alice. I could kiss you too, Frankie. Ah, uh -uh, Curly. <laughs> Have to wait your turn. Alice spoke first. <laughs> Line forms to the right. <laughs> Phil will be back in just a moment. There's no excuse for dandruff. Right. There's no excuse for dandruff. Almost everyone has dandruff at one time or another, but there's no excuse for dandruff. That's because it can be removed so easily and completely with Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo. Leading medical authorities say there are two kinds of dandruff. One is loose and flaky. It's the unsightly kind, the kind you can see. The other clings to the scalp. It's the invisible, irritating kind, the kind you can feel. If your present shampoo is doing only half the job, remember, Fitch removes both kinds completely. Be free of unsightly dandruff. Be free of invisible, irritating dandruff. Yes, be free of all embarrassing dandruff with Fitch. Fitch is the only shampoo made that's guaranteed to remove dandruff with the first application. And the Fitch guarantee is back by one of the world's largest insurance firms. Remember, there's no excuse for dandruff. So switch to Fitch at drug counters, barber, and beauty shops. Ask for Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo. This is Phil Harris. Folks, last week, I went back with Jackson and the whole Benny Troop to Colorado. I saw the people of Colorado go into action against infantile paralysis. And under leaders like Governor Nouse of Colorado, Mayor Newton and Max Goldberg of Denver, and the Pueblo Chamber of Commerce, they are determined to stamp out this crippling disease. Now, during our visit, we had the thrill of seeing the citizens of Denver give $130,000 and the citizens of Pueblo give $10,000 to the March of Dimes. Now, with that kind of spirit all over America, we can make this year's March of Dimes a triumph. So join up tonight. Give generously. And let's whip infantile paralysis. Good night. Tune in next week when the F.W. Fitch Company again brings you the Fitch Bandwagon with Alice Fay and Phil Harris. This program was written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet and directed by Paul Phillips. Alice Fay appears to the courtesy of 20th Century Fox. The part of Frankie was played by Elliot Lewis and Mr. Fitch was played by Francis X. Bushman. Laugh a while, laugh a while. 
Girls, for softer, shinier hair, use Fitch's new cream shampoo. It's made with both lanolin and olive oil. Lanolin to soften, olive oil for sparkling highlights. Try Fitch cream shampoo. Bill Foreman speaking. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Thought I would talk to you quickly about uh, the Jack Benny books. I've had a lot of people email me that they couldn't find the last podcast when I was talking about all the books because I mentioned uh, uh, Milt's book and in one podcast and the other books in a different podcast, and so it gets confusing. So I will give you a overall overall review of the entire thing but I'm making it short and sweet. People just want to kind of know the order I would read them in. Here's the order that I, Buck Benny, would read (laughs) the Jack Benny books in. First one, Sunday Nights at 7 for sure. It's Jack Benny's autobiography. It's mixed with uh, Joan Benny's comments throughout, but Jack's are all in bold, and so you can tell what Jack's saying versus what Joan's saying, his daughter. And... um, you can just read Jack's part, so you can just read Joan's part, so you can read the whole thing. It's excellent book. Number one, for sure. Number two, that I find equally enjoyable, actually, maybe even more so. Uh, I go back to it more often. I'm going to, I can tell already. I go back to it all the time now. <laughs> um, this is Milt's book, uh, The Jack Benny Show. 137 photos, a lot of them I've never seen before. Just for the photos, it's worth the price of admission. If you go over to Amazon right now, I saw a copy last night or the day before that was uh, a very good condition. Mine, I have two copies, I've said before. I have an acceptable copy that's (laughs) barely acceptable. You can read it with gloves on. I have a, um, a good copy that, to me, is excellent, almost like new. So you never know when they read them, but but good, it's a good one to get. But now there is a very good copy available, which should be better than quality than mine. And it's like two dollars and seventy-two cents plus the two ninety-nine shipping, so we're like six bucks, under six bucks. You'll get this delivered to your home. Can't go wrong. It says right on my copy anyway. It says twelve ninety-five is what it originally sold for, and. That was a steal. So, so go out there and get it. Good luck to whoever gets there first on Amazon and picks up the one for two seventy two or whatever it is. That's the very good copy. Get out there and get it. Um, it's has forty four chapters. Uh, it's very easy to find information you want. I'm going to be reading parts of it in upcoming podcasts. So there you go. That's my number two choice. The rest of them, those these two are like on a pinnacle of their own. Then everything else drops dramatically, but still great rating. Okay, so these next ones and there and to me, everything else is all kind of jumbled up together. Those first two are together, and then way lower are all these other ones jumbled together. I hope that makes sense. So number three, have to give it to Mary Livingston. The book's called Jack Benny. 
it's also by Hilliard Marks, her brother, who is um, sort of Jack's manager, producer throughout the years. So great insights by both of them. Great book to get. Uh, what were your third? Fourth. Fourth book. Uh, Irving Fine's book. Um, Jack Benny, an intimate biography. Another great book. Probably more mistakes through it than the other books, but really enjoyable. And after that, no, before that. Before that, I, somewhere in here. Okay, I'm revising my list. <laughs> Number three becomes Well, which is the new book. It's like Reflections of Jack Benny. It's called Well, W-E-L-L, exclamation point. It was released in 2007. It's a collection of, of um, stories by different authors about Jack Benny. Um, has somebody who uh, was in um, Buck Benny the Movie with Jack, where she writes an article. Really interesting insights. Um, I'd put that, make that a very similar read. If you like reading The Jack Benny Show, you'll like well, because The Jack Benny Show is all by one author, author uh, Milt Josephsberg, but it feels like a bunch of separate little mini-stories. And that's the exact same feel as well. So I like both those books. Then, of course, fourth was <laughs> Jack Benny by Mary Livingston and Hilliard Marks. Fifth would have been um, Irving Fine's book, Jack Benny, an Intimate Biography. And sixth is the book put out by is the Museum of... History, something like that. Anyway, broadcast, Museum of Broadcast History, probably. Anyway, it's called Jack Benny something something, who knows what. <laughs> um, and it's, a, uh, it's, again, a fun read because it's got a bunch of separate articles, but a large amount of it is, is like uh, scripts, because they didn't think people would actually have the radio shows to listen to. And that's a problem with a lot of these shows. They didn't know you'd have the radio shows because MP3 wasn't around back then. It was all tapes, and who's going to have a thousand tapes? Anyway, so it makes all these books kind of, there's going to be sections of them that you might skip over because you're going, wait a minute, I can listen to that show. I don't have to read about that show or read the script from that show. Anyway, that's my condensed list. We'll see you next time for some more Jack Benny. Enjoy this today's episode. The Jell-O program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston and Phil Harris and his orchestra. The orchestra opens the program with I Double Dare You. There's a play that recently opened in New York City called Hooray for What? Well, here's one answer to that question. It's Jell-O, and you'll all cheer for Jell-O. Because it's one of the grandest dishes you can serve. It's quick, it's inexpensive, it's delicious. And you can vary it in all sorts of ways to keep your menus different and interesting. Try Jell-O with sliced bananas or canned fruits. Decorate it with chopped nuts and whipped cream. Or make little tart shells and fill them with Jell-O. Oh, you'll think of dozens and dozens of variations because Jell-O's six delicious flavors lend themselves perfectly to all sorts of marvelous combinations. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry... 
orange, lemon, or lime, just be sure you get genuine Jell-O. For only Jell-O brings you that delicious, extra-rich fruit flavor. Look for the big red letters on the box. They spell Jell-O. That was I Double Dare You, played by the orchestra. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you that human dynamo, that bundle of energy who is always bubbling over with pep and vitality, Jack Benny. Thank you. Thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Benny talking. And, Don, that was an awfully nice send-off you gave me, although you picked the wrong night for it. I, I was never so tired in my life. Well, I see, Jack. Then you're not bubbling over, as usual. Bubbling over? Don, tonight I'm not even capable of a small drool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just completely worn out. Well, you were all right last week, Jack. What happened since then? It's that new picture I'm going to make, the rehearsing, the test, the costumes. And on top of that, I'm having trouble getting the right makeup. Gee whiz, they ought to know how to make you up by this time. Well, they ought to, but they don't. You should see my screen pad. I got a little dimple in my chin and a photograph like the Grand Canyon. <laughs> Not only that, my eyes look like Minneapolis and St. Paul. <laughs> see, I look like I'm working for Rand McNally. Well, I, I just can't understand that, Jack. Neither can I. I've got the same makeup man that Fred McMurray has. Well, Jack, Fred McMurray is younger and a naturally handsome type. Well, what do you think I am? You know, Paramount isn't signing any gargoyles to long-term contracts. <laughs> you know that. Huh? Well, then maybe it is the fault of the makeup man. I don't know, but you know what burns me up, Don? He dashes into McMurray's dressing room, puts a little powder on his face, and Fred is all set. Oh. Then when he comes over to make me up, he takes off his coat, opens his bag, and pulls out a blueprint. <laughs> I'll admit that I'm not an Adonis, but I, I have led a good conservative life. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you have, Jack. Don, you've never seen me carousing around, have you? No, no, I haven't. Well, here's what kills me. That guy McMurray goes to the Trocadero one night, the Coconut Grove the next night, then the Clover Club. He stays up night after night, and I show it. <laughs> anyway, I'll be glad when I get started on my picture and it's over with. Who's going to be your leading lady, Jack? Oh, hello, Mary. I didn't see you. What did you say? I said, who's going to be your leading lady? I told you last week it's Francisca Gall, that new Viennese star. You remember, I went over to her house to rehearse last Sunday night. Oh, yes, I remember. She invited Phil Harris, too. Yes, Curly Locks had to come along. <laughs> Phil spent the whole evening teaching her how to do the Big Apple, and I sat there like a worm. <laughs> Every time I make a picture, Phil falls in love with my leading lady. Why don't you play opposite Rex, the Wonder Horse? <laughs> Thanks, Mary. I'd look fine with a horse on my lap. What part would I play, a jockey? No, a milk wagon. Oh, quiet. And don't give me any more suggestions. Well, here comes Cupid's little ambassador now. Hello, Jack, old boy. How's the Waukegan wallflower? <laughs> fine, thank you. How's my kinky-headed leech? <laughs> oh, just dandy. I never felt better in your life. Well, stay out of my life. You certainly fixed up my rehearsal last Sunday night. I was there to work with Miss Gall, and you stand around distracting her attention. Well, I was just trying to be sociable. And then you had to suggest that I go out and buy some ice cream. What about it? Well, the least you could have done was eat it when I brought it back. 
Go on, I didn't want any ice cream. Oh, you didn't? Then what did you send me? Oh, I get it. Uh-huh, you wanted to be alone with Miss Gow. Uh-huh. I see. See, I thought there was something fishy about that ice cream. Uh, what flavor was it, barracuda? <laughs> I can't figure out how I could have been so gullible. Oh, hello, Kenny. Hello, Jack. What's eating you? Termites. I got a wooden head. <laughs> Kenny, I always thought that you were dumb, but I'm really a sap. For plain, ordinary stupidity, I've got you backed off the map. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> now, listen, Kenny. I've got a date with a girl. Phil comes along. They want some, they want some ice cream, and I go out for it. Top that. All right. I had a date with a girl. Another fellow came along. Nobody wanted ice cream, and I still went out for it. Top that. <laughs> well. Get this. Mm. I had a date with a fellow once. His girlfriend came along and hit me in the face with a banana split. I don't think that's so funny. Well, I laughed. Yeah, and the banana split. <laughs> Why, Kenny, that's a nifty. Yeah, I wish I could think of one like that every week. Well, go ahead and sing before you have a brain storm. Banana split. <laughs> Wasn't that awful, Mary? Yeah, it's a good thing he can sing. Yeah. There's a someone for everyone. If you turn at the proper time and place, you will greet love and meet love face. To pay. There's a someone for everyone. Fate was kind, oh, so very kind to me. All at once, a thrill I'd never known. And there was I. Looking at you. I can't resist you, sweet someone, oh, I've missed you, where have you been all these nights, all these days, where was that smile that is driving me crazy? Someone from Love and Hisses, sung by our wit and humorist, Kenny Baker. 
And now, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> what are you laughing at? Sliced banana. I mean, banana split. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, go away, Kenny. As we announced last Sunday, tonight we are going to present the outstanding achievement of the Benny Gills. Our own dramatic version of Samuel Goldwyn's scream triumph, The Hurricane, or I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles. For the benefit of those who haven't seen the picture, the locale of our play is the little island of Manakura in the South Sea, which is just halfway between Tahiti and Bismarck, North Dakota. <laughs> I, I will play the part of Governor DeLod, as mean a man as ever ate a popsicle at a hanging. Mary Livingston will play the part of Germaine, my wife. I will not. You will, too. Now, Don Wilson will be the captain, and Phil Harris will be the doctor. Why can't I be Phil's wife? Because he hasn't got a wife. Now, Kenny will then be... Then why can't I be Don's wife? Look, Don hasn't got a wife either. He's just got a boat. Well, why can't I be Don's boat? Mary, you're going to be my wife. If it'll make you any happier, I'll put a sail on you. Now, Kenny Baker will be one of the natives, tall, dark, and barefooted. Barefooted? Won't I catch cold? You won't catch cold. You're in the South Sea. Oh, then I'll drown. Look, Kenny, you're on an island. How can you drown on an island? Don't worry. I'll find a way. I hope so. Anyway, you're a native, and that settles it. Now, in our version of this play... Hmm, a native yet. Now... Now, in our version of this play, we will endeavor to give you a vivid portrayal of how it feels to be hit on the head with a hurricane. Now, this play will go on... Hmm, pardon me, folks. Hello? Hiya, Buck! Well, Andy! Hey. hey, we expected you up here tonight. I thought you were going to be in our play. I was going to, but Ma saw the picture and thought I was too delicate for it. <laughs> Oh, does she know we're going to do Hurricane tonight? I think so, Buck. She put the radio down in the cyclone cellar. Well, I'm sorry you're not going to be with us tonight, Andy. I had a swell part for you. You did? Yes, sir. You were going to be one of the natives, and there's a real hula dancer in love with you. Is she pretty? Andy, she's gorgeous. Well, wait a minute. What's that, Paul? What? <laughs> what are you laughing at, Andy? Paul wants to know if she's got a friend. <laughs> Oh, is your paw home? Yeah, he's here hopping around on a broom. What's he doing, sweeping the floor? No, he's been drinking again, and he thinks he's Mother Goose. <laughs> well, Andy, I'm sorry you're not coming over, but be sure and listen in, huh? I sure will. So long, Buck. So long. Well, it's too bad Andy can't be with us. Is everything all set, fellas? Yep, let's go. Okay, so now, folks, while Phil is playing the next number, we will get on an imaginary boat and sail away to the South Sea. Hit it, Phil.
was Snake Charmer, played by Phil Harris, a snake if there ever was one, and his orchestra. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction, The Hurricane. As the scene opens, we learn that Governor DeLage has sentenced Parangi, a young native, to 20 years imprisonment in Tahiti, much against the wishes of his friends and the populace of the island. The locale is the island of Manakura, the residence of Governor DeLage. And as the curtain rises, we hear in the distance the chant of one of the natives. Ah, <laughs> uh, how happy and carefree the natives are on this island. How peaceful is this paradise lost in the middle of a vast ocean? Yes, Captain, you're right. But there's only one thing wrong. I know what you mean, Doctor. We're governed by the meanest, cruelest tyrant in all the South Sea. Governor Delage. That's me, folks. He's hard, he's stubborn, he's merciless. Yes, he's just a tropical meanie. You're right, Doctor. I wish he'd get sick so I could give him the wrong medicine. To him, the law is everything. Nothing else matters. Here comes the governor now. Look unhappy. Uh, good evening, Governor. Good evening, Governor. Grr. That settles that. Governor, we're here to see you about... Silence, gentlemen. You came here again to ask me to pardon that native boy, Tarangi. You're wasting your breath. I sent him to prison in Tahiti, 600 miles away, and there he must stay. But, Your Excellency, it was such a trivial offense. Bah! The captain is right. Why such a severe penalty? Because it's the law! <laughs> Dr. Harris, you and I have been friends for a good many years. And when you ask me to change my principles, forego my belief in justice, you're a-going too far off. But, Governor, that boy Tarangi is the most popular native on the island. He sure is, Govey. Govey? Why, the girls here would rather have a smile from him than a kiss from Robert Taylor. How do you know? I've been having trouble, too. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, gentlemen, but I refuse to pardon Tarangi, and that's final. But why, Govey? Yes, why? Because it's the law! <laughs> What is that? Major Bowes, he just arrived with the unit. <laughs> oh, he sure gets around. Well, gentlemen, I hope I've made myself clear. Tarangi stays in jail. But what crime did he commit to warrant 20 years in prison? 20 years of hard labor. What crime? He stole a coconut. Why, Governor, there are thousands and thousands of coconuts on this island. But this one had milk in it. <laughs> and grade A, too. But, Your Excellency, all coconuts have milk in them. That's immaterial, irrelevant, and news to me. <laughs> anyway, Tarangi was found guilty of the crime, and he must serve his sentence. But why such a severe one? Because it's the... Wait for me! <laughs> anyway, I'm boss around here. Come in. Hello. Ah, my good wife. Ah, my no-good husband. <laughs> what have you got in that basket, darling? Coconut. Coconut? Where did you get them? Don't worry, I bought them. Well, I'm glad to hear that. But I stole the money out of your pants. <laughs> oh, pardon me, gentlemen. Uh, good evening, Madame Delage. Good evening, Captain Wilson. Good evening, Madame Delage. Hello, Cook. Jermaine, remember, you are addressing a physician, Dr. Harris. A fine doctor. Yesterday, he tried to take my temperature with a clarinet. 
A clarinet? Yeah, he said I had a bad case of Benny Goodman. Is that your diagnosis, Dr. Harris? Yeah, ma'am. Well, gentlemen, I believe our business is finished. Uh, Madam DeLarge, we've been trying to persuade the governor to pardon Parangi. After all, it was such a minor offense. Sure, why don't you let him go? Jermaine, crime is crime. When a man steals, he goes to jail. Unless it's second base. <laughs> Parangi must be punished. But, dear, why 20 years in prison? Because it's delightful. It's delicious. It's delovely. It's the law. <laughs> And I don't want to hear another word about it. What's that? It's the natives. They're all worked up about Tarangi. They're in a bad mood, Your Excellency. Yes, I warn you, they're going to make trouble. Oh, so they're after me, eh? Well, bah, I'm not afraid. Look, look, one of them's coming this way. Yes, it's Tarangi's brother. All right, show him in. Oh, so it's you, Kenny Lua. What do you want this time? Anna, Pupi, Kapua, Boka, Tarangi. Tarangi Yuki Zubalua. Zubalua Konakika Karango. Watch your language, son. <laughs> There's a lady present. Oh, I'm broad-minded. Jermaine, go to your room. Oh, Pofakua Maluka. <laughs> Jermaine, do you know what you're saying? No, and neither do you. Now listen to me, Kenny Lua. Hola, you got Tarangi. Tarangi, Pabula, Kapua, Mola, Fopi, Tila. <laughs> and that's Kuba Gula. Oh, go sit on a Takalua. <laughs> mm, a fine native. You better be careful, Gubby. They're not going to take it on the chin forever. As long as I'm governor of these islands, the law will be upheld. I've made up my mind about Tarangi. Nothing can swerve me. Nothing can move me. Wait till that hurricane comes along. Hurricane Bach. We haven't had a hurricane here in 20 years. It doesn't worry me. Then why they got your buffet packed on? Because it's the law! Ah, <laughs> oh, cut it out. Well, gentlemen, if you'll excuse me now, I'll retire. I've had a very busy day. Will I be seeing you tomorrow, Captain Wilson? Uh, no, I think not, Governor. I'm sailing with the tide. I have a jello cargo for Pango Pango. Well, good luck, all. Goodbye, all. Hmm. Seems to be something very peculiar in the air tonight. An eerie feeling. Have you noticed the doctor? Yes, and I don't like it. I remember 20 years ago when this same peculiar wind... Ah, quiet. What's that again? The natives. They're sending a message of warning. They know when there's a hurricane brewing. Bah. And look at the birds heading south. They're flying away. Well, let them fly. Yeah, we'll show them something in a few minutes. Right. You two make me sick. I'm going to bed. Gee, I'm scared. Why, it's nothing but a little wind. We've had wind before. Good night, darling. I'll see you in the morning. Look for me over Pomona. A little breeze isn't going to scare me. Fasten those shutters. What shutters? Those are my ears. Well, fasten them. Okay, throw me a bobby pin. Governor, Governor, Your Excellency, Tarangi has escaped from prison. Tarangi escaped? Yes, and he's right here on this island. Well, I'm going to get him, and he's got to go back. I'm going out to find Tarangi, and when I do, 
Answer the phone, Germaine. Hello? Yes? Governor Tarangi. Tarangi? Give me that phone. Hello, Tarangi. Hello, Stanza. So it is you. When did you escape from prison? Ukapula vini vini tutta bala bala yesterday. Yesterday? How did you get out of jail? I pardoned myself with a hacksaw. Oh, am I exhausted? I swam all the way. You swam 600 miles from Tahiti to Manakura in one day? How could you do that? A shark was pushing me. A shark, eh? What happened? What could happen? He swallowed me. Why, that's ridiculous. Where's the shark? Where do you think I'm calling? From a phone booth? That's a lie, Tarangi. You're hiding. You're not inside of a shark. I am, too. I don't believe it. Wait till you see me in Ripley's column. You can't fool me, Tarangi. You're not in the water. You're someplace on this island, and I'm going to track you down. All right, but you better get the goldfish for bloodhounds. Goodbye. Tarangi! Tarangi! I'm going to put him back in that cell if it's the last thing I do. Captain Wilson, get the iron. Okay. You'd better wait until the storm blows over, Gov. We'll need every man on the island. Ah, this is a fine time for a win. Look, Your Excellency, the natives are taking to their boat. Let them go, the fools. They won't find it any safer out there. Come on, let's go. Not in this storm. Listen to that wind. What's that? Mother Nature's gargling. Hermaine, this is no time for levity. <laughs> Prepare your boat for immediate sailing. Aye, aye, Governor. But look, the boat is gone. The boat's gone? Where is it? That ain't the China Clipper flying over us. Germaine, stay close to me. Be sure and stop off for a package of Jello. Try all its six delicious flavors: strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. Are you through, Wilson? Yes. Then let's go. The storm is subsiding. Everything is swept away, leaving nothing but desolation in its wake. Not a bird, not a flower, not a tree left on this island. Nay, not even a coconut. Out. (laughs) Well, just one, anyway. Ah, my poor little wife. Where is she? Germaine. Germaine. At last she's gone, too. Good heavens, what a storm that was. What a wind. Come in. Governor Delarge? Yes? Would you like to buy an electric fan? Get out of here! How did he get on this island? Wait, Bill. 
Here's a swell suggestion for this time of the year, and it's something new and different. It's orange jello salad, a delicious new way to get a touch of sunshine into your winter menus. It's easy to make, and it's inexpensive, too. Dissolve one package of orange jello, chill until slightly thickened, and then fold in two oranges cut up into sections, one cup of diced celery, and a teaspoon of vinegar. Chill until firm. Orange jello salad is lovely to look at with its clear golden beauty, and it's grand to eat with oranges and crisp celery making a new and unusual combination. Well, try this attractive new salad tomorrow. Just be sure to use genuine Jell-O, for Jell-O brings you that luscious, extra-rich fruit flavor. So remember, whether it's for salads or dessert, always ask your grocer for Jell-O. number of the 18th program of the new Jell-O series. And we're with you again next Sunday night at the same time. Oh, Jack. What is it, Mary? A telegram just came to you. Oh. It's from Alton Cook, radio editor of the New York World Telegram. As if I didn't know. What does it say, Mary? It says, Dear Jack, in the seventh annual national radio editor's poll conducted by the World Telegram, you were chosen the most popular comedian on the air. This makes the fifth consecutive year that you have won this honor. Well. Wait a minute. That isn't all. It also says John Wilson was picked as the most popular announcer, and Kenny Baker was second among all male popular singers. Well, well, Alton, I just want to say that all of us on the Jell-O program are deeply grateful and highly honored. We want to thank you, all the editors and our listeners. Come on, Jack, here's your hat. It doesn't fit now. Good night. <laughs> Kenny Baker appears on the Jell-O program through courtesy of Mervyn Leroy Productions. This is the National Broadcasting Company. <laughs>